sweet. Wow. You guys are lively tonight. I knew you guys would be so lively. There's so many of you. It's great. Hey, well, I want to know who here is a loyal Spotify user. Is anybody a loyal Spotify user? Any my, my family here? My fam, thank you. Anybody a loyal iMusic, Apple Music? No. Yeah, you guys all died in 2005. Um, that's good. That's good. I'm a loyal Spotify user. And one of the reasons for that is because I get that cool Spotify wrapped thing at the end of the year. Do you guys get that? Do you guys take a look at like how many minutes you wasted of your life listening to Spotify? Did you get that? I did. I looked it up. Here, here's what I got. In my Spotify wrapped, I listened to Spotify for 34,955 minutes. And I looked at that and I said, yikes, that's, is that bad? Is that good? I don't know. Was I really listening to Spotify? I, I did the math. I worked it all out. So that was 582 hours, total of 24 days. And if you take all the time that was in the year 2018, and that time it was 6.65% of the entire year I spent listening to Spotify which doesn't seem like that much, but when you see the words like 34,955 minutes, that kind of freaked me out. But anyway, it was a lot of time. And you spend a lot of time listening to Spotify, and maybe you're not just listening to Spotify, just doing nothing and consciously like listening to music, focusing like that. You're probably doing other things, but it's a lot of time. And, and when I thought of that, I thought of something that might be a little bit scary, it might get a little bit uncomfortable, but I want you to think about it for yourself tonight. If God gave you a Spotify rap, so to speak, of the amount of time and the things that you did this, that you prayed for, I wonder what you would find. I mean, seriously, if, if God was to send you an email this week and on it would be the number of minutes and the top things that you prayed for this year, I wonder what it would be. And I know that's scary. And the reason I say it's scary is because probably it's not what you wanted it to be. You know, at the end of last year, you probably would have said, I wish, you know, in 2018, I'm going to pray more than I've ever prayed before. I'm going to do more things for Christ than I've ever done before if you're a Christian. You probably thought that. But here tonight, I want to just at least examine, maybe we didn't do that. And if you didn't do that, how can we do better next year? There's nothing more important that you can do with your time in 2018 than praying. There's nothing more important. And that's the thing that all guest speakers should come in and talk about because there's nobody in the room who's perfected it, okay? And before we get into it, I just want to say this. I've not perfected prayer. There's no one who's perfected prayer except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're actually going to learn something that he said tonight about prayer, some advice that he gives us from the book of Luke. So I want you guys to open up in your Bibles, Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. If you've been with us in the main service, if you go to that big building over there, it's bigger than in here. Sometimes there's more people. I don't know. Um, you listen to the guy who preaches in there. He's been preaching through the book of Luke since I started high school. He started the book of Luke when I was going into my freshman year of high school. So he's been in Luke for a long time. So I know it was a long time ago when we looked at Luke chapter 18. But if you'll remember, if you were in there, one of the things that's being talked about around Luke 18 is Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God. Okay? Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God in chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17, and in chapter 18. So this parable that we see in Luke 18 comes jam-packed right in the middle of all that. So I want us to check it out. Luke 18, verse 1. It's really nice that Luke told us this. It says in verse 1, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Okay? He's about to say a parable. This is Jesus' words. He's about to give us a story and a parable. All a parable is, it's a story with a deeper meaning behind it. Okay? It's not something that necessarily happened. It doesn't have to be a true story. It's basically just an illustration. It's a story that Jesus makes up to 
portray something that's eternally important. So he's about to tell a parable, but the reason given here is that they would always pray and not lose heart. Do you look at that verse and think, wow, I don't know if I've done that. I mean, think about that. I mean, if, if God looked at you, would he say, yeah, this person is a person who always prays and does not lose heart. I think many of us would, if we were honest about it, we'd say, I don't think that's true of me. I don't really think I've always prayed and not lose heart. Look at verse two. He gets into the parable. He says this, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. So he paints this picture. He says, imagine in a small, dusty Jewish town, you've got this guy and you can imagine this judge. He's got all his nice clothes. You know, he's wearing the Gucci of the day, right? He's got, you know, he's got the Gucci gang, uh, like belt, you know, with the two G's that don't make sense. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of those guys, right? He's pretty cool. He's rolling around. He's got the cool, you know, whatever technology, I don't know, whatever he had. But imagine, yeah, you got this, this big, powerful guy. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got this poor widow. And back in the day, it was worse to be a widow than it is now. I mean, there's still the part about losing your husband that's bad, but now, but now there's a lot of things and family can come along and help you and the government can help you. But back then there was really nothing, uh, there was nothing to help them. They, they were helpless. They were, they were poor widows and a lot of people died of starvation because they lost the man in the house. They, they lost a provider. And this woman, actually, if you look at some of the laws in the ancient Near East back then, they're not even allowed to show up in court. Okay, so what this lady's doing is very, very bold. She's stepping out of her comfort zone, doing something that might even be illegal to try to get justice from these people who are trying to oppress her. Imagine that. Verse four says, for while this judge, he refused a while afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So this guy is being kind of honest with himself. He's like, yeah, I don't respect God. I don't respect people. You know, some people, you know, it's like, well, I don't respect, respect people, but, you know, I fear God, so I'm going to do the right thing. And some people say, well, I might not fear God, but, you know, I, I care about other people. I want to have a good conscience about this whole thing, so I'm going to do the right thing. This guy is so evil and so wicked. Jesus paints this horrible picture of this guy. He says, I'll help this lady out because she continually comes to me because she's such a bother to me. She's so annoying. That's basically what he's saying. I will give her what she wants because this lady is super, super, super annoying. She's coming to her day and night. Verse six, Jesus ends the parable. And it's interesting that Luke says, and the Lord said, this is Jesus talking, but he calls Jesus the Lord here. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? That's an important Bible word. That's just describing God's people. God's people who God has chosen. They're not just random people off the streets. They're not widows. They're not outcasts of society. To God, these are important people. So the point that Jesus is making here is he's painting this really grim, bad picture of an evil judge and a poor, helpless widow. Who this poor, helpless widow, because she's so annoying to this judge, she keeps pounding on this judge. He, she gets what she wants. But then he, he's going to take this and kind of flip it on its head and say, but look at you though. Your standing with God is so much better than this widow's with this judge. And this judge is nothing like God. God wants to hear your request. God wants to hear you pray. So it's a, it's a comparison. It's actually a contrast, really. It's contrasting both characters. The Lord says, will he not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Verse eight, Jesus says this, which should send a shiver down our spine if we're honest with ourselves about how we prayed in 2018. He says, 
I will tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, will, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? If Jesus was to come back right now, would he find people in this room, people in True North, some people here, you claim to be Christians, would he find you being a person who really is honestly giving everything to the Lord in prayer? Would he really find you in your heart being a person who lives in the spirit of prayer, who's always praying, who makes time every day to pray? Would he really find that or would he find something else? Sad to think, but probably, if we're honest with ourselves, he might find something else. You guys, I, I don't come here trying to preach at you in a way that is mean or harsh, but this is a message that each and every one of us needs to hear. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian here tonight, whether you're comfortable with spiritual things or you, you've never stepped foot in church before, this is a message that you need to hear because you need to pray, maybe for the first time in 2019. You need to pray like you mean it. And if you go back to verse 1, it says, He told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. We can't even get past that first verse with asking the question, do we even pray? Okay, and ask it of yourself real quick. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about whoever. Think about yourself right now. Do I actually pray? I say I pray. Maybe my parents pray. Maybe, uh, you know, at church they, they pray during announcements or during worship or whatever. But do I actually pray? Do I pray? And what is prayer? All prayer is is talking to God. Do I talk to God? Do I communicate with God? Right? That's an important question. And if you're a Christian, if you say, yes, I am a saved person, I've repented, I've put my faith in Christ, think about this. What's the first thing you did as a Christian? What's the very first thing you did? You prayed. That's it. That was the first thing. And praying is not the thing that saved you, but God saved you because you prayed and you asked for help. Right? God saved you because you asked him to, to save you. I know it was his plan and it's his work, but he wouldn't have done it if you hadn't asked him to save you. So that was step number one in Christianity was praying. If that's step number one, that's like low, like standard, it's like getting a D in Christianity. If you just pray and that's all you do, you're getting a D in Christianity. What if you're a person who doesn't pray? Well, that, that's even worse. You're fail, you are failing in your Christian life if you do not pray at all. It's just so, it's baseline, it's simple, it's like the first act of the Christian. But sometimes we neglect it and think, oh, it's not that important. I guess I don't need to pray all the time. I got my thing with God and now I'm saved, so I guess I, I don't need to pray. That is upside down thinking. I just want you to see how, how foolish that is. But it's easy for us to slip into that mindset. We say oftentimes in church that if we know God, right, it, if we're no God and we're Christians, right, we have a relationship with God. Did you ever heard anyone say that? Like, yeah, I have a relationship with God. I want you to think about that for a second. If you put any other person in that position, I have a relationship with such and such, right? Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. I have a relationship with some of you, right? And because I have a relationship with some of you, you know what that means? I communicate with you. I talk to you, right? Some of you more than others. One of you I talk to a lot because you're related to me. But, you know, the rest of you I don't really talk to. And some of you I have a relationship with. Some of you I don't, right? But if I have a relationship with you, it means we talk. We communicate, right? Some of us can claim to be Christians. We can go to church, but we don't talk to God. We don't even give him any time. Think about that. Think about how, how horrible that is, right? If God sent his son to die for us on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him and we say, yeah, I don't need to pray. Yeah, that's something the spiritual people do, but you know, I don't really need to do that. Do you see how upside down and backwards that is? That's so wrong. I know this is uncomfortable, 
but I want us to think through last year. I just want you to think through 2018. How did you pray? What did you pray about? Did you pray for the first time? Maybe you did. Maybe you, you had never really prayed before. Maybe you got saved in 2018, and that's awesome. But did you pray consistently? Did you pray always and not give up? I want us tonight, just on the negative end of the spectrum first, just to consider for a minute the consequences of not praying. I want you right now, point number one, you can write it down like this, to feel the consequences of neglected prayer. Feel the consequences of neglected prayer. And I know this, this is backwards thinking, right? Think backwards, okay? Think about last year. What did I miss out on because I didn't pray? What were the consequences last year because I did not pray. Let's think about that. His goal here, Jesus' goal, is to get people to pray always. Just, just think about that. To always pray and not give up. To always pray and not give up. I said the context of all this is the kingdom coming. And that's what the not giving up part is about. Right? It's not that, oh, I want them to you know, really try out for the basketball team and, and not give up. Right? That's not what we're talking about, not giving up right? It's Jesus is coming back. I want you to live the Christian life. I want you to be righteous. Don't give up, okay? That's really what he's talking about. It's not about, you know, Troy Bolton trying to get into uh, Cal, and he got into Cal, and, you know, he got into that other school in New Mexico to stay close to Gabriella, but then he, you guys know what I'm talking about. You girls know what I'm talking about. You were, yeah, you existed then. I tell, I, sometimes I tell high school musical illustrations to the junior highs, and they're like, I don't even know what that is, um, which isn't it sad? It's like a whole loss of illustrations. I can't even use them. Whatever. Um, Anyway, it's about not giving up. What are we talking about? Not giving up and staying strong and really living the Christian life until the end. Not giving up. I want you to think about what all the scriptures say about prayer. Okay, and tonight we're going to do something a little bit different um, than what I normally do and maybe maybe what you normally do, but we're going to look at a lot of different passages tonight. We're not going to turn to all of them, but I want you at least to write down these passages and maybe look them up later. We're going to look at like 20 different verses tonight, which is way too many, um, and I might never finish, but I want us to at least consider a bunch of passages. The first one, 1 Thessalonians verse 5, or chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18, says this, rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Think about that. Paul's saying, this is what God wants for your life. For you to A, rejoice. Sometimes, when things are good, no, rejoice always. Then next one, pray without ceasing. How on earth do you do that? I mean, think about it. Seriously, this is in the Bible. He's telling us to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Right? Does it mean we always need to be mumbling and prayer? Seriously, some people took it that way. There's been people throughout church history who've gone off into monasteries and have locked themselves in rooms and made covenants not to talk to anyone for 20 years at a time. Right? People have tried that, right? but that's clearly not what, what, what he's saying. He didn't do that. If that's what he was saying, Paul did not practice what he preached because he did more than just pray. He, he, he prayed, he taught, he traveled, he tried to get people saved, he tried to have evangelism conversations with people. So clearly it's not that you're praying all the time, but I mentioned it earlier. It's this, you be in the spirit of prayer all the time, that you're always thinking about prayer, that, that prayer is not something that's foreign, that yeah, you know, I schedule it out and I do it 30 minutes a day, but the rest of the day I'm not talking to God, right? It's no, that you're always talking to God. 
right? Nehemiah chapter two, there's this scene where he's before a king, right? He's before this powerful guy and he asks him a really hard question. And Nehemiah says in Nehemiah two, and I prayed to the Lord. And then the next verse says, and then I answered the king. It's not that he was there. It's like, okay, king, hold on. Give me a second. I'm going to do a little prayer session and I'll come right back. I'll get you your answer. I just got to pray real fast. No, he prayed in that moment. He just prayed to God. He asked God something. You can think of it like this. It's like, um, we're making time, right, to pray in specific uh, plots of our day, right? That's like calling God, right? Imagine calling God, right? You do that, or you FaceTime God, right? These are the text message prayers, right? You're just texting God a prayer. You're just saying something to God, right? That is, is what is being asked of you. That's what's being asked of me, that we always live in this, this habitat of praying to God always, just always talking to God, always texting God, that, that while we do everything, we just we talk to God about it. That's, that's the command. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Okay. Think about 2018. Is that me? Is that me? Rejoice always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Romans 12, 12 rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Is that me? Right. And may, maybe it's not right. It probably isn't right. Next verse, Colossians 4, 2. Again, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, right? Being watchful. It's this idea of like always looking out. I'm always looking out. You know, it's one thing to be watchful. It's another thing to be lazy, right? It's like if you're, you're playing Fortnite, right? I can say that here. Um, you guys play Fortnite, I know. Uh, it's like you're playing Fortnite. Oh, some of you, it's like, no, I've never played Fortnite. It's like some of you playing Fortnite, but not looking at the map right? And you don't know that the storm cloud's like going to kill you right now. It's going to like turn you blue and you're going to die, right? You, you, it's like not looking at that, right? Being watchful is, okay, I know what's going on. I know how many woods I have. I, I know I'm going to go swing and I'm going to do the thing and then I'm going to dance, right? I, like you're watchful, right? You don't start dancing, right? When you're about to get like sniped, right? That's not being watchful. That's not the idea, right? So be watchful, right? What does that mean? With prayer, what does that mean? It, it, it means all, always looking out for it, always making time for it, always thinking about prayer. Be watchful in it, constant in it. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. And right there, that might turn your life upside down if you applied that one verse right there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's funny that in all of these verses, the idea of thanksgiving has been there too. And really, that's one of the ways that you can show your thankfulness to God is by praying and just being thankful. If something good happens, pray about it. Right? Tell God you're thankful. You go outside, you, you like the weather, right? Thank God for it, right? You go outside, it's freezing cold like it's been the last two days. Like, thank God for your, your cool clothes or whatever, you know? Thank God for your jacket, right? There's, there's things to thank God for all the time. It says in verse 7, the next verse, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right there, that's a consequence of praying. You see, that consequence can be good and bad, right? You know, you remember when you were a little kid, consequences are always bad. Like, you're going to get consequences. Am I the only one that my parents told me, you're going to get consequences for that, Johnny? Right? Yeah, yeah, Quinn's mom did. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tina. Um, right? They did, right? Consequences, you think bad, right? But consequences are good and bad, right? What are the consequences uh, of praying? The peace of God protecting your life, right? Look back. Did you see that this year? Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're a person who was always freaking out. What can you do to fix that, so to speak? At least pray. At least pray. That, that's low bar. John 14, verse 13. Jesus said this, and this 
wow, this, this verse could change your life right here. These two verses, sorry, not this one verse, these two verses. John 14, verses 13 and 14. Check it out. Jesus says this, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And some of you got red flags when you hear that verse because you think there's no way he can actually mean that. There's no way he can actually mean that. Right? Okay, uh, I ask for a Ferrari in Jesus' name. No, right? Okay, well, what are we talking about? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you pray for things that bring God glory, you know what Jesus is promising right here? I will do it. I will do it. Right? If you're going to go out evangelizing tonight, right, and you pray, God, I, I, we want to talk to people, we want to share the gospel, we want to be successful, we want people to hear the gospel for the first time and respond. You know what God's going to do if you pray? He's going to do it. Like He's just He's going to do it. Right? And, and you might not believe me, I dare you to pray tonight for that. I dare you to do that. Guess what he's going to do tonight? He's going he's gonna to prove it to you. Oh, it's heated right there. Wow. Sorry. Some consequences. Just think about this year, okay? Consequence number one, right? Did you lead someone to Christ this year, okay? If you didn't, right, did you pray for that? Did you pray always and not give up, right? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Right? I just want you to think through this way. Think about all the good things that, that, that are good, at least according to the Bible standards, that could have happened to you this year that didn't happen because you didn't pray. I want you to get uncomfortable for a second. I want you to think about this. This is hard. Okay? Did you lead someone to Christ this year? Right? There's that person in your small group that, you know, this, this, this girl needs to get saved. This guy needs to get saved. Or the guy at my school. Or, you know, I, this person needs to be saved. I'm going to pray for that. Right? And then did you pray? Were you consistent in praying or did you pray once and then kind of leave off, right? This widow does not ask once, hey, give me justice over my adversaries and then forget about it. Because if she did that, guess what would have happened? Never would have had the, 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 the request answered. What about this? People at your school being saved, right? You say, I go to Elisa Miguel High School. I go to Laguna Hills High School. I go to Tribuca Hills or whatever, wherever you go, right? You think, okay, I go to this high school and I know that people who sit to the right and left of me in English class are going to die and go to hell when they die, okay? That's a scary thought. Am I praying for that? Have people gotten saved, right? If we look back and you see no fruit and in your small group, there's no growth, right? I want you to first ask yourself, okay, did I pray for it? Did I pray for it? Because sometimes God only gives you as much as you ask for, okay? God only gives you the, the good things that he'd be willing to give you if you ask for it. Isaiah says, oh, God says in the book of Isaiah, open your mouth and I will fill it. Just, just open your mouth. Just tell me what you want and I will fill it. I will bless you. But sometimes we don't do it. What about that sin that's been going on in your life ever since you became a Christian? That sin that you haven't been able to beat. That gossip or that lust or that pride or that anger in your heart that you see always popping up. You always want to whack it down like a whack-a-mole, right? That, that sin, right? Did, is that sin dead now? Was it alive at the beginning of 2018, and is it dead now, right? Well, yeah, maybe, yes, maybe, but maybe not. Right? Did you pray about it? That's a consequence. If we do not ask God to do things, he's not always going to do them. What about... What about that person in your life who you just like can't forgive? That, that person who, who wronged you and you just have a really hard time forgiving, right? And right now, even you can think about that person or those people or whatever. If you've got a lot of people you don't forgive, right? Maybe it's a ton of people, but, but have you been able to forgive that person, right? And if you say right now, no, I got anger in my heart. Did you pray about it? Did you pray about it? I, I want you in your mind to la or just rack up a list of consequences, Okay? And the reason I say that isn't to make you feel bad, but it's so that you'll be different in 2019, so that you'll pray, 
so that you'll pray always and not lose heart. But that person in your, your small group that you've grown to dislike or, or your leader, maybe you dislike your leader, maybe you dislike your pastor, I don't know. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? God is so ready and willing to sanctify you and make you more like Jesus Christ if you ask him. Sometimes we don't ask him. And that shows that we don't really care so much. I mentioned this before. I mentioned Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. But are you a person who's bogged down with anxiety? Who right now, when you think of that word anxiety or depression or, or suicide, those, those words trigger things in your mind. Yeah, that, that's totally me. I, know, I'm, I fall in that category. Right? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed a little bit and kind of asked God, yeah, maybe, can you give me some, can you, can you help me with this? Maybe just a little bit, right? And then stop praying. Right? Or, or have you taken it constantly to God? I just want you to be careful in 2019 that you don't miss out on, on all those things. I mean, you could have sin defeated in your life this year. Do you, like, do you know that? The, the sin that you have struggled with, you can have it defeated this year in your life if you pray for it. That person in your small group who you think God could never save that person. If you pray for it, guess what God can do this year? He can save that person. That's the biggest things God can do if you pray for them. But we do not ask. I want you to turn to this verse. Not going to make you turn many places, but James chapter 4. Okay, James chapter 4 verse 1. It should stick out to us. James 4 1. Climax kind of comes in verse 2, but I'll start in verse 1. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you, right? Why is there disagreement in the church? Why is there disagreement with you and other people? It says, is it not that you, are, you have passions that are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel, right? Just think about this for a second. Why are you ever not happy, right? Because you have a desire and it's not met. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. Right? There's kind of a big truth right there that's kind of unrelated to prayer. Sort of unrelated. But why do, we have, why do you fight with people? Why are you angry? Right? Because you want something and you don't get it. Right? That's all he's saying right here. You, you fight and you quarrel. And even to the extent you murder. Right? Maybe that's being hyperbolous there. But you're angry. You're upset. Why? Because you want something and you don't have it. Then he says this. This ought to jump out at the page at you. He says, you do not have... Because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That's a verse about prayer. That's talking about prayer. He's not talking about the person next to you. He's talking about God. You do not have because you do not ask. I just wonder how many things you don't have right now that you could have if you would have prayed. And that's thinking negatively. Think of positively right now. What could God do this year in your life if you ask him? What sin could you defeat? Right? Just let's be reflective right now. Think about that. God often only gives us as much as we ask for. If we don't ask for sanctification, if we don't ask for wisdom, he's not going to give it. But if you do, he will. And you'll see it. You might be thinking, okay, your whole Spotify thing, right? 34,955 minutes, right? You didn't pray like that, John, did you? Right? Oh, I, I didn't pray that long. Right? I didn't pray 6.65% of the time. I wish I had. It only actually totals out to 95 minutes a day. That's possible. Could do that. But you say, you know what, John? The reason I don't pray the way that you're saying I should pray, and the reason that I've never given myself completely to prayer is because I don't have the time. I don't have the time. 
right? I, I have too much to do. Pray always. Yeah, right, Jesus. Like, you didn't live in the 21st century. You didn't live with Instagram. You don't know what always is, right? I'm always on Instagram. Right? You don't know what always is, right? I, I can't do it always. Well, I, you know, I got this class. That it takes up a lot of my time. If I, if I wasn't in this AP class, maybe I could, you know, pray more. Well, I'm in this sport. You know, and it's really important to me. And Okay, you, we have a lot of excuses, okay? I want you to look at verse 4. Or verse 2, sorry. Verse 2 uh, of Luke chapter 18. I want you to think through for a second how many excuses this widow could have had. Just think it through how many excuses this poor widow, in Jesus' illustration here, could have had not to go to the judge and not to ask. Think about it. It says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and said, give me justice against my adversaries. Later on, we find out that, that she was coming day and night. She was beating. It's, it's this funny word. It's used in boxing, okay, to bruise someone's face. The judge is saying, this lady is so annoying, it's like she's beating me in the face constantly. I mean, imagine it, right? He, he goes out of the court, right? He walks home, right? And then guess what? Who's knocking on the door? This widow said, hey, give me justice over my adversaries. Right? He goes and sits down at dinner, right? And his wife made him the food, right? He sits down and... Hey, give me justice over my adversaries. Right? He's like, oh, this lady, go away. Right? He goes to bed at night. Hey, give me justice over my adversary. Right? You'd feel pretty beat up too. Right? I would. I'd be annoyed with this lady. Right? I would be like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. It took a certain amount of time, but he gave it. He gave what she wanted. God is nothing like this evil judge. But sometimes you and I, in our lives, and maybe your high school life, and you think, I've got too much to do. I got, I got this, I got this going on. I want us to get rid of those excuses because if this really matters and if God can really do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, that's Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, well, then I think we should pray and get rid of the excuses. Point number two is this. Abandon your prayer excuses. Abandon your prayer excuses. Let's just think through some excuses this widow must have had. First of all, the judge is evil, Okay. If you're this widow saying, I, I need justice over my adversaries, these, these people that are oppressing me, this land that I have, it's rightfully mine, it's rightfully my husband's, no one else should have it, it's mine, right? They're trying to defraud me, they're trying to be illegal, right? You got a lot of reason not to trust this guy, right? He's the judge, he's unjust, he takes bribes. In the, if you've been reading the DBR, you guys read the DBR, right? The Old Testament, New Testament, right? The Old Testament, you notice how many times in the minor prophets, God was calling out the people for taking bribes and oppressing the widows, right? This is a common thing. This happened, right? I know this story might not have happened exactly, but trust me, this happened. There's widows who were deprived of their stuff and that people were taking advantage of because they were the lowest class in society, right? This very well might have happened. But think about it. excuse number one, right? This judge was very unjust. I want you to think about your situation for a second. The person that you ask, the person you pray to, is that person unjust? Is that person evil? Is that person mean? No. The person you ask, according to the Bible, is the one who made everything. The one who made you, the one who designed you, the one who gives you everything you have. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes straight from God. Not from Target. Not from Costco. Not from Sephora. Not from Amazon. Right? Amazon's like, man, that's the one, right? No. It comes from God. It comes from God gives you everything he's good and the bible describes him as perfectly holy which holy it's that's kind of a bible word but that means completely good completely good completely set apart from anything that's bad unstained from anything that's bad 
calls him loving, so loving, that he would send his son to die for us. Right? That's the God you pray to. Better situation than a widow and an unjust judge. I just want you to see the comparison there. The contrast, rather, that Jesus is making. That excuse, out the window. Excuse number two. Right? The judge. Well, this judge doesn't care about me. Right? The widow totally could have said that. I'm going to go somewhere else to find what I need. Because this judge, he does not care about me. It's true. Strangers. Right? If anything, the judge was mad at this lady. Think about you for a second. If you're a Christian. If you're a person who's put their trust in Christ. Romans 8, 32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How can you possibly doubt God caring about you? If God really sent his son to live a perfect life for over 30 years and then die on a cross, taking your punishment and rising again so that you could have life. How could you ever doubt his love for you? Sometimes we do, though. We think God doesn't really care about this. You know, my anxiety or my depression, God doesn't really care about me. I, I know I got to, you know, fight this sin, but God's got bigger things to deal with. Right? No, God loves you and God cares for you. Third excuse, okay? The judge pushes the widow away. Think about it, right? The judge says, I don't want to have anything to do with you. This widow comes to him, he says, get out of here, right? Remember the knocking, right? When he's in bed, get out of here, right? When he's having dinner, get out of here. When he's brushing his teeth, get out of here. When he's listening to Spotify, get out of here, right? Whatever he's doing, right? And he's not listening to Spotify. It's a joke. Uh, you, you, some of you caught it. Um, he's like always pushing her away, right? But think about this. What does God command you to do? God, the transcendent God of the universe who made everything and who sent his incarnate son, God in human form, to live a perfect life and die as a sacrifice on a Roman execution rack for you. What does he say to you? He commands you to ask. To ask. Think about that. To ask. This widow is getting pushed away by the judge. It's all the widow coming back at the judge, coming back at the judge. And God is saying, just talk to me. Just ask me. Right? But he's got to arm wrestle some Christians into talking to him. Think about that. How perverted and evil is that? Right? That God has to force you to pray. Right? That should be like our first instinctual reaction. We're saying, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's praise God. Let's thank God. But instead, we do it kicking and screaming. Can that be a thing of the past for you? Can that never be true of you ever again? I, I hope so. I hope for me. I mean, this sermon beat me up as I was preparing it more than probably any sermon I've ever prepared in my life. This sermon right here, beating me up too. Like the judge is getting beat up in the face, right? God commands us to ask. Think about this now. Fourth excuse, the widow. She had no legal protectors, okay? She didn't even have the right really to go in there and like demand for justice. She didn't have any legal protection. She didn't have any right to get into that courthouse. Think about you for a second. If you know your theology, you know that one of the jobs of Jesus, one of the roles that he plays is that he's a high priest, which means he represents us before God. Here, here's what 1 Timothy 2.5 says. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Okay? You have full access to God. You have legal representation before God. You have everything that this widow does not have, but I'm afraid that some of us never ask God for things like this widow asks. You don't have any excuses. But then we'll, we'll throw on our excuses, right? The first one. First excuse that I think we give all the time is I don't have time for this, right? I don't have time. That's fair, right? Don't you think that's, a, that's fair? You would probably say that's excuse number one, right? I'd like to pray. I think most of us would think, yeah, I'd like to pray. It's a good thing. But I want to pray, right? But I don't have time. 
Right, think about this guy real quick, Daniel. You know who Daniel is? He's a guy in the Bible who grew up, he was a Jew, he lived in Jerusalem, um, he got taken as a captive when he was about your age, he went to this foreign kingdom, he rose up in the ranks, he was a smart guy, he was a talented guy, God blessed him, and he became like third in control of the entire like nation, the whole empire of Babylon, okay? This guy is busy, this guy is CEO status, okay? Daniel 6.10, and by the way, on top of this, they made a law that said, you can't pray. No praying to any other God other than the king. No praying allowed. Not allowed. Daniel 6.10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Okay? This was a habit. This was a pattern for Daniel. He's like a CEO. He's the vice president. But what does he do? He goes home. He doesn't just do it wherever he is, right? Some of you, it'd be a good step if you just said, I'm going to spend, you know, five minutes praying at lunch, right? That, w- that would be a huge step, right, for some of you. Am I right? That would be huge. That'd be a good, okay, that's a kind of a first step. This guy went back to his house. He went, walked back to his house. And I just think about the time this would take, right? It, it, walking and going back. This is probably at least, I would say, three hours of his day, right? Going there in the morning, going there in the middle of the day, going there at night and praying, okay? Yeah. We don't have an excuse. You don't have an, I don't have an excuse. I'm an online student, right? I don't have an excuse. Are you like, yeah, I go to school, John. You're an online student. Okay, you don't have an excuse. I know you go to school for six or seven hours a day. You got your sport, and you're really talented and fantastic. That's great. But look, you have time to pray. Daniel had time to pray. You should have time to pray. Jesus, think about Jesus. If anyone didn't have time to pray, it was Jesus. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night... It says, all night he continued in prayer before God. Think about that for a second. If you instead of your slumber parties where you go and, or well, it's going to mix metaphors there. The slumber parties, right? You girls, you, you hang out and you go to the Spectrum and you eat and you go to your Nordstrom's Cafe and you get your little, um, your little grilled cheese and tomato soup and you really enjoy it and it's so great and you go shopping. Right? You do that, right? That's what you do, right? You guys, you're going to go to someone's house, you're going to play Madden, you're going to play Fortnite until it's 4.30 in the morning, right? You can pull the all-nighter. Think about that. Right? You could do that. Right? Jesus went all night and he continued in prayer. Just think about that. The God man, if anybody didn't have to pray, it was Jesus. But what does he do more than anybody else in the Bible? He prays. Why? Because he's setting an example for us. Sometimes we say, I don't feel like praying. Right? Maybe it's not I don't have time. I can find time. But I really just, when it gets to the time to pray, I don't feel like praying. Right? Think about this. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. This is when... This is when the disciples and Jesus were in the garden and, and Jesus was about to be betrayed, okay? This was nighttime. Pin this at midnight, okay? Let's say it's midnight or one in the morning when this happens right here. It says, and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. That was Jesus. And he said to Peter, so you couldn't watch with me for one hour, right? Jesus is saying, that's a low bar. You couldn't pray for one hour? He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When it comes to prayer, that's one of our biggest issues, right? The flesh is weak. I kind of want to. It sounds like a good idea. I'm getting yelled at by some dude to go pray, right? Yeah, okay, I'll do it, right? But the, the spirit is willing. You might be willing, but the flesh is weak, right? There's other things. You hear all the dings on the computer and the phone and everything, right? I just would advise you, go to a place. It's undistracted and pray. If you know the story of what Peter does right after this, he doesn't pray. And what happens? 
Jesus gets betrayed by Judas. There's this whole scene. He goes, he's tried. People go up to Peter. Little servant girls go up to Peter and say, hey, do you know Jesus? This is after Peter missed his prayer time. What does he do? I don't know him. I've never seen this man in my life. Another person comes up. Hey, yeah, I recognize you. You were with him. No, I've never, never seen this guy in my life. And finally, the servant girl comes last and just, oh, I know you, 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 you were there. And he curses himself. He says, I don't know who that guy is. I've never seen him before in my life. One of the gospel writers says in that, that moment, as the rooster crowed, Jesus turned, made eye contact with Peter, locked eyes with him. He said, Peter went out and wept. What, what was the start of all that? Didn't watch him pray. He didn't watch him pray. So do what? Jesus says that you might not enter into temptation. Whenever you don't feel like praying, let me just advise you. That is the time that you need to pray the most. You feel like, yeah, I got other things to do. I got homework. I got this. I got that. You need to pray. How about this? Maybe some of you don't know God. Some of you say, yeah, you know, that's kind of a church thing to do with the whole prayer thing. I don't feel like I'm worthy, right? If God is really who you say he is, and God is really high and transcendent and, and glorious and, and majestic and beautiful, I mean, I, what am I doing talking to him, right? How could I talk to him? Or in Luke 18, just if, look down on the page real fast. It says in verse 10, check out, or check out verse 9. Jesus told another parable. This is right after. Okay, listen to this. It says, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and treated others with contempt. It says two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, another a tax collector. Pharisee, the time was like as righteous as the righteous gets, right? Mega church pastor, right? Think about or whatever. I don't know. You probably think, yeah, that's probably unrighteous because he's sketchy. Got a lot of Bentley or something. Whatever. Uh, think of the most righteous person you know, right? The, the, the little old lady who always just goes up to you at church and just does this to you. I'm praying for you this week, right? You, whatever. You just, you had that ever happen before? Your grandma, oh, I, it's the cheek grab, right? They're just really good at the cheek. Like everything is there. Your whole body's there, but they just go right for the cheek and just like, I'm praying for you, right? Think of them, right? And the lady, they got the crooked arthritis fingers, but they're, I'm praying for you, right? I'm sorry, is this graphic? Sorry, Alan. Um, or, or the old man or whatever. Whoever you think is the most righteous, that, that, that's a Pharisee. Right, then you got this, this tax collector who's like the scumbag. I mean, just think of the person who's, you know, tattooed all the way up. He's got the face tattoos and the eye tattoos, and he was sketchy enough to get this thing, right? You know what I'm talking about? A little in, in, insert tattoo, right? And, and he's a drug addict, and he's all these terrible things, and they both go up to the temple to pray, right? What are you expecting now? Jesus probably, oh, you know, well, it's a good prayer and a bad prayer, right? Well, that's true, but maybe not what you think. Look at verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. There's even the sense where this guy does like a little L-shaped amen right here. He says, yeah, you know, this guy over here, you know, this guy over here, he really needs your help. But he says, thank you for making me not like this guy. I fast twice a week. I tithe of all that I get, right? I'm giving to Compass 2020, right? And they're not. Verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This guy who, who is unworthy. And just to let you know, you are unworthy to talk to God. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Nobody here deserves it. But this guy right here can't even look up to God because he says, I'm in trouble. And he, he, he pleads with God, God, just simple. This is not an eloquent prayer. 
But it's a real prayer. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What do you think Jesus says? Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. That means made right. God said, this person's right with me. Didn't take some super spiritual thing. All they did is just cried out to God. And some of you may have never prayed before. Some of you have never talked to God before. Maybe you have when you were a kid and maybe you don't anymore. I'm talking to you right now. Pray to God. Just plead with God. Just tell God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just ask him. Please, just ask him. Don't lose out on heaven because you're not willing to ask. Don't miss out on being saved because you think, I don't want to bother God with this. Don't do that. Just ask. Some of you. Oh, and he goes on. Sorry. says, this man went out to his house justified rather than the other. The other, they don't even seem like they're saved. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Right? Some of us may be praying in a way that kind of exalts ourselves. Right? Let's turn that upside down and let's pray in such a way where we're, we're, we're humble. We're asking God just to save me. I've sinned. I've broken your rules. I, I just need to be saved. I just need you to take care of the sin problem. Please save me. Some of you say, okay, well, I am saved, but I just don't know what to pray for, right? You say pray, and Jesus said, watch and pray for an hour. You can't do that? Wow, low bar. Like, you're lame, right? He, he kind of says that, but I don't know. That's a little paraphrase. But he says, you can't pray for an hour? Right? That's, that's lame, right? Some of you would think, wow, when was the last time I prayed for an hour? Right? Maybe I've never prayed for an hour. How, if I went home tonight and tried to pray for an hour, I'd get distracted because I'd get the notifications and my Apple Watch would freak out and whatever. Right? It's like there's so many distractions. Right? What do I pray for? Okay? Jesus gave us a template. Matthew chapter 6. This is a good one to turn to. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. People asked Jesus, hey, what should we do? We want to pray. We want to pray rightly. Jesus, after calling out, hypocritical prayer when he says hey don't pray just to be seen by other people don't pray to act righteous kind of like he did in luke 18 right what we just talked about he says pray then like this request number one our father in heaven hallowed be your name right that's whoa we're getting into church language here hollow what are we talking about right hollow like hollow like a donut right hollow like an egg with no egg thing in it right what are we talking about right hollow hollow it means to be holy right be transcendent you are holy it's just telling god you are holy you're magnificent. You created me. It's this praise that's happening. Did your kingdom come? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That right there is the central prayer request of Luke 18. Okay? We're talking about all different kinds of prayer here, but that's in the context what Jesus is asking the disciples to pray. Pray for your kingdom to come. That's the context. That's Luke 16, 17, 18. The kingdom coming. What does that mean? It means, first of all, that He'd come back, right? That, that's something you could pray for every day, that Jesus would come back today. And let's just think about it. What's keeping Jesus from coming back? Right? People getting saved. Anything salvation-related is your kingdom come. Right? Anything that is, oh, I want this person to be saved. God, please help this person. Please strengthen this person. But please, you know, save that girl, save that guy, right? That's your kingdom come type praying. It says, give us this day our daily bread, right? Asking, even asking for the stuff you have. Even asking to be fed. When's the last time you asked God to feed you? Well, John, I'm working on kind of the other way around, right? I'm being fed too much. I'm working on the gut, right? I don't need to ask God to feed me. I don't know. It's like, oh, well, I'm taken care of, right? Why do I need to ask God for something I know I'm going to get? Well, trust me. If you ask God for your food tonight and you thank God for the food that you have, which is why, by the way, when we pray at meals, okay, you're not praying for the food. 
Just to let you know, the food doesn't need to be pre-blessed, right? I know Chick-fil-A says it's already pre-blessed, right? You don't need to pray over that. You ever heard that joke? Uh, whatever. Um, there's some YouTuber who thought it was funny to say, like, oh, it's pre-blessed. Like, Chick-fil-A, like, it's pre-blessed food. I don't even need to pray because someone already prayed of it. It's, it's a joke. It's not. But um, when we pray for our food, what are we doing? We're not praying for our food. We're, we're thanking God for the food that he gave us. It's Thanksgiving prayer, right? Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's that kind of prayer. Anyway. Give us the day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God, forgive me. I I did this that was wrong. Please forgive me. Even as a Christian, even as a person who's saved, you are still a person who needs to ask for forgiveness. Imagine getting adopted into a family. You don't take out the trash or you say something snarky to your mom or whatever. And dad comes home. He might not kick you out of the family, but you still need to ask for forgiveness. Everything's not cool, right? If you're breaking the rules, right? You might not get kicked out of the family, but you're in trouble. Right? You still need to ask for forgiveness. Even you, Christian. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? That's the kind of prayer that Jesus talked about in Matthew 26. That's a lot of things to pray for right there. James says this in James 5.13. If anyone's suffering among you, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. Right? Whether things are good or things are bad, you've always got something to pray about. You've got people to pray about. I mean, think, think about how many people you need to pray for. Okay, just, let's just think about this real fast. You could write it down. You could think through it. You could do it when you get home. Write it on the back of your worksheet. Whatever. Who do I need to pray for? Right? I don't like my mom. Right? Don't like my dad. Don't like how they're treating me. Have I prayed about it? There's an old pastor who used to tell his congregation, said, do you not like me? Just pray and God will make me better, right? You don't like who I am? You think I'm rude? Just pray and God will, God will make me the person you want, him to be, you want me to be, right? You don't like your pastor? Pray and he's going to take the one you have and make him new, right? Do you believe that could happen, right? Wh- whoever it is, I know you love Pastor Rod because Pastor Rod's awesome. You are awesome, Pastor Rod. Um, yeah, I was just pointing at the camera. I don't know. Uh, but whatever, right? It, it, whatever you don't like, you don't like your relationship with your mom, you don't like your relationship with your dad, your first instinct is, oh, complain, I just oh, I don't like them, I don't like them, or get mad or whatever. But how about, I'm going to talk to God about it. What if I don't know what to say? What if I know I need to pray and I just don't know what to say? Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We got, we got things to pray for we don't even understand. But the Holy Spirit now stands between. Jesus is the mediator, but the Holy Spirit is like translating your terrible prayers, right? No offense. My prayers are terrible too sometimes. But when you pray, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, that wasn't the right thing. It says the Holy Spirit's like translating your prayers and, and asking for the right thing. Even when you're asking for something that, you know, maybe it's not right, the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. Maybe an excuse that you have, probably this is the worst one, but if you're honest, maybe it's true. But I just don't want to pray. I just don't want to pray. Right? I, I know there's things to pray for, and I know I should, but I just don't really want to. I just don't really have a heart to do it. I mean, I, just, I, well, I like doing other things. I like you know, playing video games and talking to my friends, but I don't really want to pray. Revelation 3.15, if you're a Christian, hear these words. It says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would, you that, it would, you, would that you were either cold or hot? I'd like for you to be either hot or cold. It'd be easier. But, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, and this is, this is the mindset, you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, 
pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. It's all things of you think you don't need anything, but guess what? You do. You do. And if you're acting with God like you don't need anything, guess what? You are, as it says, wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Five things I don't want to be. Right? Five things that we ought not to be. Jesus says this, if you think that's harsh, you think that's mean, you think Jesus is being a bully, look at verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Right? You might be like, ouch. That I haven't prayed. Is Jesus saying that I'm poor, wretched, pitiable, blind, naked? Well, yeah. But he says, those who I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent, is what he says. If you have excuses, you're sinful, like the rest of us. I have excuses, you have excuses not to pray. We give reasons, we justify ourselves for why we didn't pray. But we just need to pray. If you're a Christian in here tonight who does not pray, you just need to repent. That's it. Just repent. Just stop it. Start it. Not stop because you're not praying, right? Start it. Start praying. Repent by starting. Look at the widow. Look at how she asks. Back in in, in Luke 18. Check it out. It says in verse 4, when he refused a while afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. She bothers this guy so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. I'm going to answer her, her, her request because guess what? She's just annoying. She's beating me down constantly. She's persisting. Point number three, I want you to plan and practice persistent prayer. Plan and practice persistent prayer. Persistent prayer, what are we talking about? Well, I want you to think real quick about what's important to you. AP class, right? You're in AP bio because you hate your time. Um, and you're in basketball, and you're in volleyball, you're, you're in baseball, or you're on the golf team like I was, the nerd in high school. Hey, hey, whatever, right? Whatever you care about, whatever you like, right? You spend time on it. And not only do you spend time on it, you plan time for it, right? You, you carve out time in your calendar. I, this is important to me, so I'm going to do it. Right? Oh, I need to talk to this person. I mean, talk about a boyfriend or girlfriend. If you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know what that takes a lot of? You might as well take a knife out of your pocket and start carving out time for them. You know, any, any, any amens from the crowd? No? Okay, just me? Um, no, I love it. Um, it's great. My fiance is awesome. She's great. I love making time for her. But guess what I have to do? I've got to make time for her, right? You married people know you make time for them, right? It's one, two of you, right? There you go. Josiah and Mr. O, you make time for your wives. Absolutely, yeah. Um, whatever. Anyway, you make time for it. Right? So do you. Okay? I just want you to realize that one of the reasons you might not make time for prayer is because you don't think it's that important. Okay? And if you did think it was important, you, you'd make time for it. So let's just say it's important. Let's just agree on that. How do we make time for it? Well, first of all, we need to plan on it. Okay? Planning. Okay? You ever heard that you, you plan to plan? Right? You ever heard that? I'm going to spend 30 minutes each week. Some you know, business executives do it. I'm going to spend 30 minutes on Monday morning every week planning out my week. Right? That's a responsible, grown-up, adulting habit. Right? I'm going to plan my week. Right? And some of you do it. Right? You got your little uh, planner. Remember your planner? You got, no, not remember. You have them. Right? Do you have planners at school? Or they stop giving those out. Right? Those dumb little things um, that I hated. But whatever. You guys have them. Right? Do you, do you use them or do you just like use your phone? right? Quinn hates using them. Thank you, Quinn. I didn't like them either, right? But guess what? Just saying, anybody use Google Calendar in here? 
Okay? Google Calendar. We got, we got some adulting people in here. Okay? Okay? Google Calendar. Use it. Use it for prayer. Okay? Use it for prayer. What do you do? You, you, you chunk out the time. You can even color code it and make it all pretty and stuff. Right? Color code it. Make time for it. Chunk out time to pray. Right? Some of you, right? That's such a dumb statement. I was going to say some of you have phones. You all have phones, right? Okay? See, the junior high, some of them don't have phones, so I can't say that because um, it'll offend them. Um, the ones who don't because it's like, you have this, I don't know, whatever. Um, thanks, Steph. Thanks for laughing. Um, the phone, right? You have use alarms. You set five alarms to wake you up because you know you're going to snooze, 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 snooze. You know what I'm talking about? You use those alarms, right? Use your alarms to pray. Set an alarm. I, at 8.30, I'm going to pray for this. And you can even label it. You can even have a song that you'll grow to hate because all your alarm songs you'll grow to hate. You know what I mean? Um, whatever. Set an alarm. You got reminders on your phone, right? You know the reminders app that it'll send you this to say reminder? Anybody. Use reminders. Anybody, right? Use it. Okay, I see you blank faces out there, right? Use it. Use what you have. If you really, okay, and I say this if you want to pray. Right? If you don't want to pray, you're not going to do this. I get that. But if you want to pray and you want 2019 and not be like 2018, right? Get serious about it. Be, be mature about it, right? Set alarms, set timers. Anybody use Todoist out there? I use Todoist, right? That's a, it's a program. It's free. Um, it's, it's really fun because you get to check off when you do stuff. It's basically just this big, long to-do list that you can organize into different like, columns. You can have school stuff. You can make Todoist your planner. That's what I did. When I went to college, I used Todoist, and I put all my assignments in. When I got my syllabus at the beginning of the year with due dates and reminders and whatever. It was really cool at the time. Um, maybe it's not cool. But pray, right? I set prayer reminders on my Todoist, okay? I'm just trying to get as practical as possible with you because I want this to be something that actually happens, not something we just talk about on a Saturday night, I make you feel bad about, and you leave hating me, right? Just let's, let's plan, let's do this, okay? What about this? Practicing it, okay? Plan for it, practice it, though. One thing that you can do is you can write out your prayers. If you've never written out your prayers, I'd suggest that you do that. Write out your prayers if you like the handwritten thing with the journals and the ink and whatever, you like that, do it, all right? Evernote, that's how I do it. I pray on Evernote. I have a I have a uh, folder. It's labeled Daniel 610 because it reminds me Daniel prayed. He made time. He chunked out time morning, noon, and night. Three times a day he made time for it, right? That's my morning prayer I put in there and I type out my prayers. Uh, Evernote. Uh, Google Docs, right? You guys use Google Docs at school, right? Write it out on Google Docs. Uh, Word document, right? Pages, notes, whatever, right? Write out your prayers. I dare you. This week, if you spent each morning and you prayed, Right, write out your prayers. I, I guarantee you that if you do that successfully and faithfully and with heart and not just, oh, it's John told me to, so I'm going to do it. I can prove him right, right? You're, you're going to have a different prayer life. Some of you um, use apps, right? There's prayer apps out there. Prayer Mate is an app that you can use. You can download it. It's got these, it's an index card style, right? It's like, um, it goes into different groups and it, you can set reminders and it will give you dings on your phone, or your watch, your iPad or computer, whatever, right? Prayer made is a good one. Echo is another prayer app that some of you can get. Um, you praise a group, right? Use GroupMe. Use your uh, iMessage group chat, right? Make a chat and say, with these people, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Let's say things that we need to pray about, and let's pray on there, right? Uh, not pray like write your prayers out, but maybe say, this is what I want to pray for. Uh, you could use WhatsApp, right? Some of you, you guys have small group uh, group chats, right? Use that as a platform. Say, oh, well, let's pray about this. Let's pray about this. And really... That, that's kind of what I'm getting to at the end here. Um, this isn't going to happen unless you have accountability. Okay? It will not happen unless you have accountability. You will still be your 
let me be careful about this. You will still be your Christmas weight, okay, um, in June if you have no accountability to go to the gym, okay? You will probably still be your Christmas weight. You know what I'm talking about? And put on Christmas weight, anybody? Anybody? Just me, right? You feel bloated and you feel like, oh, man, I'm so fat right now. Like, I just put on all these, like, taquitos. Uh, you, probably, you probably didn't eat taquitos at Christmas. I did. Um, whatever. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm digging my – where's the shovel, John? Get yourself out of this hole. Um, you just – you need to keep yourself accountable, right? Whether that's with people, whether that's with others, whether that's with reminders or yourself or alarms, just do it. Right? If you want something to get done, do it. You're an adult now. Don't tell and don't your parent. Don't tell your parents I said that. Um, but you are an adult now, uh, so you can do it anyway. Okay. The reason, lastly, that we should be serious about prayer, because God promises to answer. Okay. Look at verse six. You guys back in Luke. Look at verse six. It says the Lord said, "Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will he not? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night?" Right, we already established, let's start crying to him day and night. Let's start asking God for things. Right, let's cry to him day and night. Will he not give justice to his elect? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, no, he will give them justice speedily. He's not just going to answer their prayers. He's going to do it fast. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You can't just talk about prayer and plan to do it and just even persist and do it without this key principle. Point number four, write it down like this. Expect God's response to biblical requests. Expect God's response to biblical requests. See, you guys don't have the one, two, three on there, so you thought I was done. Just kidding, psych. Point number four. You ever written that down? Point number four. I don't mean to insult you. I'm sure you've written it down before, but it's funny. I thought it was funny. Thanks, Steph. It's nice of you. Biblical requests. Not just requests for Teslas and Lamborghinis and, and, and a better looking face or three more inches of height or whatever you pray for that's, you know, not biblical, right? And I don't mean to insult those prayers, um, I guess a little bit, um, but it's kind of an insult, but, you know, we can pray for things that aren't things that God wants us to pray for, but remember what he said? Remember what he asked us to pray for in Matthew chapter six, we turn there, right? The, the praising of God, right? His kingdom coming, right? We asked, Jesus said, ask for these things and I'm going to give them to you. Right, remember when he said, ask anything in my name that will bring glory to the Father through the Son. Ask for those things, and he's going to give it to you. I said the context of Luke 18 is the kingdom coming. Right? Praying for the kingdom to come. Right, guess what he's going to do? He's going to answer that prayer if you ask. But I want to think through some things real fast, and we don't have any time for it, but we're going to go through a list of a couple verses right here that you can write down really fast because Ian needs to do a couple songs here um, before you leave. But some things, biblical requests, that if you ask for these things, God says, I want to answer these, okay? First of all, Romans 10, verse 13, okay? says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, that's, that's priority number one. That's the first thing you need to ask him. Don't, don't bother asking him about other things before you ask for that right there. And I know there are some of you who think, yeah, that's, that's low bar. Yeah, I, I've already prayed for that. Well, if you don't pray... Okay, and if you look back in 2018, you didn't pray. Right? Maybe you've never really prayed this and meant it. Maybe you've never really asked God to save you. Maybe you've tried to save yourself, and maybe you've just tried to repent and look like a better Christian so that your parents will think you're a cooler person or whatever. Right? Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've duped out yourself with this whole salvation thing. Just take a second to think about that. Not now, because we don't have time. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish 
but that all should reach repentance, okay? Something that you should pray for, a biblical prayer request that God wants to answer is that he will save people you know. People that you know in your science class, people you know in your English class, people in your small group, people in your family. Ask God to save them, and guess what God wants to do? He wants to save them. Can you trust God? Can you trust God and just ask him? Or just give him a week, right? And and I say give them a week, a week of constant prayer for that person. I bet your outlook on their salvation is going to be totally different, right? And guess what? If God doesn't answer in a week, you know what you should do? You should pray another week, and you should pray another week, right? This lady, it doesn't tell us how long this widow came and badgered this judge, but there are stories. Oh, there's so many stories I could tell you about parents who prayed for their kids. Uh, one guy is super famous. His name is Augustine. His mom prayed, God, save my kids, save my kids, save my kids. This guy, Augustine, was bad. He was a bad dude. He was a bad hombre. He did bad things. He lived his life the way he wanted to. He, he, he went to Rome. He went to Las Vegas of the time. He lived his life, and his mom prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And all his siblings got saved, and he still didn't. God prayed, and then he came by this guy named Ambrose, and he preached the gospel. And he got saved, and Augustine became the biggest, most influential theologian and preacher in the church for over a thousand years. That was in the 400s that happened. Pray and keep praying, because God's going to answer your prayers for other people to be saved. Another thing, biblical request, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how bad the thing you've done is, ask God to forgive you says he will do it. He will forgive you if we confess our sins. Confess, that's a Bible word, right? I don't use that word every day, right? Confess is this word that means to say the same thing. It's a compound word, you know, whatever, I won't get into it. It's the same thing, to say the same thing about something, to agree, right? To agree, agree with God about your sin. Tell him you agree. Tell him you know it's sinful. Tell him you know it's wrong and he will forgive you. Ask for forgiveness. That's a biblical request. How about this, James 1, 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, Get this, this is so striking. Just think about every word here. Who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him, okay? Ask for wisdom. And God says he's gonna give wisdom to all generously, not just a little bit, but he's gonna dump wisdom on you if you ask. Not just like, you know, the Slurpee machine where you go and like, it's like, it's not working right. And then you turn it on and just like, just like it vomits out your cherry, right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? That just, just loading on, right? Ask for wisdom and God will vomit cherry Slurpee wisdom on you. Just ask, just ask and he will do it. But here's the problem. Some of you go into sports and you don't ask God. You think, oh, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be on this travel team, but you don't ask God about it. Some of you. Some of you start AP classes and think this is going to be a great idea, but you don't ask God if, you th- if he thinks it's a good idea, right? Some of you go into relationships and get boyfriends and girlfriends. You don't really ask God. You're just saying, God, I hope you're cool with this. I'm going to do it, so just tell me if it's bad, right? No, but you're not really praying and asking God. Ask God for wisdom. He's going to give it to you. He'll show you. What about this? Sanctification. Ask God for sanctification. That's another biblical, re- re- biblical request. Write down 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, 4, and 5, 3 to 5. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 5. It says, for this is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. That's what God wants for you. If you're a Christian, here's what God wants. You to be sanctified. That's it. That's, that's, that's the request. For you to be sanctified. That you, and get this, this, I usually stop here for the junior highs, but I'll go all the way with these verses. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor. 
not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles do who do not know God. Right? He's talking about sexual sin here. He's talking about all sanctification because he says God wants you to be sanctified, right? Sanctified, made more holy. From what? The context is that you won't commit sexual sin. Is that something you did in 2018? Can you pray that that won't happen in 2019? God can, can break you of that if you pray for it. Sanctification. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. And then it says this, one of the best verses in all the Bible. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What's a biblical request? Going to God with your anxieties. Going to God, not going to your friend first, not going to your family or your counselor, whoever you go to with your problems, going to God first. Saying, this person is annoying, go to God about it. Saying, this test is hard, go to God about it. This situation is bad, go to God about it. I don't feel loved, go to God about it. Just whatever your anxiety is about, it could be big or small, go to God, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Part of that's the verse six, so humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Don't think you've got it all together. Last thing, fits the context, great. Revelation 22, verse 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Ask Jesus to come back. Ask Jesus to come back. You know, if you ask Jesus to come back, you know what he could do in 2019? He can come back, believe it or not. Do you, do you want that more than going to prom? Do you want that more than graduating? I, it's so easy to fall into that mindset, but just ask God, ask Jesus, come back. Maranatha, that's that word, come back. It's better for you to be here. It's better for me to be with you than for me to live this sinful life or whatever. It's, it's better to be with him. Pray for that. Jesus might come back in 2019. But what will he find you doing in 2019? What will he find you doing? Will he find you in a state where you're not praying, you're not giving thanks, or will he find you being a person who, after tonight, December 29th, 2018, the, the life is different now, right? The prayer is different now. I, I'm acting in a completely different way. That's why in Luke 18, verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his people really praying or will they just have forgotten about him? Will they try to live their lives and not care about him? It's my prayer for you and it has been all week that you take this sermon to heart and that you would pray better than you've ever prayed, knowing the consequences, knowing what happens when we don't pray and getting serious maybe for the first time about praying and keeping that and being constant and being better in 2019 than you were in 2018, better in 2020 than you were in 2019. That's what I want to pray for. So I'm going to pray for that right now. I guess Ian's going to sing some songs. I know it's 6.30. He'll sing like one. He'll sing the best song. What's the best song you got, Ian? Be Thou My Vision. All right, let's pray.